Good morning, Lionheart. Good morning, online guests. It is so good to be here today. I am so grateful. I'm so grateful to the Lord for what he is doing. I'm grateful for this word that he has given me because I believe that it's one of the missing keys that has held us back from receiving what it is he has for us. How many of you agree that the Lord is good? Amen. How many of you agree that the Lord is faithful? How many of you truly believe that? All right, all right. I hear a lot of amens. Good, 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 good. Now let me ask you this. How many of you have wondered? I know you're good. I know what your word promises. But why haven't I received what your word promises? Why am I not healed yet? Why am I not bawling? Why I don't have money coming out my ears? Because the word says that Jesus came to give life and give it more abundantly. So if that's what the word says, if the word says that all things are possible to those who believe, and I believe, what's the problem? Anybody? It's just me? All right, all right. <laughs> so I believe that this today is one of the reasons why we're not seeing the prosperity that we desire to see, the promises that we know God has given us. There's something, there's a missing link. So that question is, what is it? What's the missing link? The Lord is faithful and he is true. And he's not going to leave us out here in the dark. And so he didn't. Amen. All right, so I'm going to start with what happened with me. How this all came about. So guys, I have been seeking the Lord and diving into his word. And so I was asking him, Lord, what is not connecting with me? What is my problem? Because something is amiss. And so one morning, I am asleep, and I thought I woke up, okay? I thought I woke up. I look up on my ceiling, and I saw a huge, ginormous, scary-looking bug. Now, y'all, I cannot stand bugs. And they have these ones down here in Georgia. They call them water bugs. I call them roaches. <laughs> That's a roach. And so it was a big roach on my ceiling, just crawling across the ceiling. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then I woke up. So I thought I was awake, but I wasn't. It was a vision, a waking vision. And so, of course, I'm like, okay, what this mean? I don't like all of the uh, symbolism. I'm like, just give me a straight, no chaser. I'm a straight shooter. I need you to be a straight shooter with me, Jesus. What is this? What's this big roach? And so I got into my prayer closet, and I'm like, Lord, show me. Show me what this is. What does this mean? And it led me down a path of discovery and revelation and truth. So I'm seeking him. The answer didn't come immediately, but I was faithful to continue to ask. And so one day, as I'm in my prayer closet, he said, the pauper mentality. And I'm like, what that mean? <laughs> I've heard of the orphan spirit, but I said, well, what is the pauper mentality? So he led me down a path. He led me to two books. 
Um, one of the books is The Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. The other book is The Supernatural Ways of Royalty. I believe it's by Chris Volaton. I'm not sure if you got if somebody can look and give me a thumbs up if that's the actual um, author. I know that's the name of the book, but I can't remember if that's his first name. So anyway, the Lord leads me to these two books and he gave me a way in which to read them. The Battlefield of the Mind first and then The Supernatural Ways of Royalty. So I said, okay, we're going to get into these books. I ordered those books sitting in that closet. Amazon Prime delivered them the next day. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for Amazon. So I get into The Battlefield of the Mind and I get to chapter 10. And in chapter 10, just an explosion of revelation came to me. And it showed me how I had allowed my mind to hold me back. And that's what that roach meant. So the same day I get to chapter 10, I called my husband in excitement. Babe, guess what the Lord told me? I have an answer. I know what my problem is. I'm a little bit crazy, you know. And he's like, (laughs) I'm just joking. Not crazy, but it's some things twisted that need to be made straight. So he's giving me all this revelation. I'm so excited. And so, I mean, I'm still a mom. I'm still a wife. I can't bask in the glory of revelation all day. So what I did was got to my normal duties, spent my time with the Lord, thankful, shared with my husband, and then got to what I need to do. So check this out, y'all. I'm in the kitchen. I'm cooking. I'm making a smoothie. And so I'm bopping around, you know, doing my thing, this side of the kitchen, that side of the kitchen. And I'm standing next to the stove, and guess what happened? A big old roach fell from I don't know where, because it's like it just, I, it's like it just appeared. Because, you know, you can see through your peripheral vision what's hovering. I would have seen that thing, and I would have been screaming, babe, come kill it, you know? I didn't see anything. I promise it just appeared. Like that, right next to my stove. So you know I was freaking out because I'm cooking. This is disgusting. I'm tempted to throw the food away. It didn't fall in the food, but it was a little bit too close for my comfort. (laughs) So guess what I did? Now, usually I'm calling my husband because I don't do bugs. This started from down here. It's in my baby book. I hate bugs. And so usually I would have my husband kill it. But guess what? That day... I murdered that bug, okay? (laughs) I murdered that bug. And I knew that it was a prophetic symbol of what is happening in my life. So I was killing that mindset that had held me captive. So it was the same day that I got that revelation that it sparked and shot off a light inside my soul that I get this prophetic symbol that this bug, boom, and I killed it. I sprayed it, and it guess what? It tried to get away. Uh Uh-uh, you ain't getting away. I sprayed it, and then I smashed it. And I'm like, you dying forever. You and your little friends. (laughs) And so the Lord was showing me, pay attention, Because I could have easily disregarded that quick vision that I had. 
This was not, this happened today and this happened tomorrow. I have the dates. It was March 24th that I had that vision. That answer didn't come until April 11th. So what if I just said, you know, okay. I mean, I saw a bug. And then what if I said, okay, I have a pauper mentality, whatever. No, I said, I'm going to endure and I'm going to ride this thing out and I'm going to find out what's been holding me captive and I'm going to kill it. And I did. So today we're going to learn about what's been holding us captive. Amen. All right. So the word tells us in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now, have you guys heard the term robbed blind? Now, does everybody know exactly what that means? Be honest. No, I didn't either. Okay, good. I'm not the only one. So robbed blind, it means to steal everything someone owns especially through deceitful or fraudulent means. It means to steal freely from someone without immediate detection, to thoroughly and very deceitfully cheat someone financially, especially as by some mean of deception. This is what the enemy has been doing to us. He's been robbing us blind. He's been using a deceptive tactic we're unaware of, we can't see. He's a hidden thief. The invisible thief is what has been robbing us, what's been keeping us from getting what it is the Lord said we are supposed to have. What's he using to accomplish this? What weapon is he employing to rob us? What is he using that we are totally unaware of, that we can't see, we can't discern it. What is it? It's our minds. You remember when you gave me that dream? You remember? That's where it started. It's our minds. And the weapon is logic. Now we think that logic is a good thing, right? We've been taught from yay high that you use your common sense. And then when you don't make a good decision, what people say, well, I guess common sense ain't so common, right? <laughs> but let me ask you this, where in the word does it say to employ common sense? Does it? I couldn't find it. It does not say to use common sense, but we've been conditioned to do that. So let's, let's find out what is reasoning and logic because these go hand in hand. Reasoning and logic, these are the weapons that the enemy is using against us. So what is reasoning? Reasoning is partially defined as an underlying factor motive that provides logical sense for a premise or occurrence. It is the action of thinking about something in a logical, sensible way. Who's heard that? Use your good sense that God gave you. I know I heard it. My grandma was good for saying that. Use your good sense that God gave you. It is the process by which you reach a conclusion after thinking about all the facts. Finally, it is also defined as thinking about something in a logical way 
in order to form a conclusion or a judgment. Hmm. So what this says is we're supposed to use our past experiences. We're supposed to use science. We're supposed to use what we see because that makes sense to form a judgment or opinion. That's what reasoning tells us to do. Okay. Okay. Let's look at reasoning in the Greek. In the Greek, reason is, now, listen, y'all, I got on Google, and I looked up how to say it. Let's see if I can remember. Dialogizomai. That's it. Dialogizomai, which means to bring together different reasons, to reckon up the reasons, to revolve in one's mind, and to deliberate to go back and forth when evaluating in a way that typically leads to a confused conclusion. This term implies one confused mind interacting with other confused minds, each further reinforcing the original confusion. Bebe. So that means you might not have all the facts because the only one that has them is him. So you go to your friend and say, what you think about this? And they tell you. And you say, yeah, 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 that sounds good. I agree. I'm going to move and I'm going to do it that way. But this tells us that's not the way, to, the way to do it. Now, what is logic? Logic is the use of data to develop rational conclusions. The use of data to develop rational conclusions. Now, most of us have been in science class where they tell you to hypothesize, and you hypothesize based on what's happened previously. Use the data available to you. That's not what the word says. The word doesn't say to look at your past to determine what your future going to look like. The word does not say that you look at what you can see and that determines what you believe. That's what logic tells you to do. So reasoning is our natural attempt to make sense out of the things of God. So I'm going to tell you something and I want it. I want you to, you know, when the word says sila. That's what I want you to do. It means to pause and think about this. The kingdom of God is not logical and never will be. It makes no sense to the natural mind and never will. I'm going to repeat it again. Think about that and let it marinate in your heart. The kingdom of God is not logical and it never will be. It makes no sense to the natural mind and never will. Never will. So how many times have you tried to wrap your, your mind around something? Where you say, what, what do they say these days? Make it make sense. <laughs> well, the kingdom of God is not sensical. It does not make sense. And you trying to understand the why, the how, the what. 
That's you trying to form your mind around and wrap it around the truth that's found in the word, but it's not sensical. The kingdom of God is not sensical. So you doing that leads to confusion. It leads to doubt and unbelief. Because you're like, well, this don't make sense here. I can't make it work. I can't figure it out. Who told you to figure it out? Did God say figure it out? He said, follow me. Are you going to follow him? Or are you going to keep trying to make it make sense? So let's see what the word says. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. Now, up here, you guys are going to see the King James Version, okay? But I have the New King James Version, so it's a smidge different, but you get the gist of it. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So he might tell you something, and your mind doesn't receive it. But when you're reading in the Word, something goes off on the inside of you. Your natural man can't decipher it, but your spirit man can. And as long as you're not in him, none of it's going to make sense. That's why you see an atheist, and they want to say that the Bible is not true because they can't understand it. But it's not naturally discerned. You can't discern it with your natural mind. It's the spirit of God living on the inside of you that makes you be able to understand. And you don't receive that spirit until you accept Jesus. So somebody going into the word, they're trying to debunk the truth through the word because they don't understand it. It's because they don't have the spirit of God. And this tells us that as long as they don't have him, they'll never understand. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 19 I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So this is all for all the folks that got the, uh, where, where are we going to start at? Okay, associates, bachelors, masters, PhD, doctorate. Hmm. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Guess what that means? You can be a doctor, and your, your medical knowledge tells you that somebody dead in a tomb for three days ain't getting up. Somebody's stinking and rotten already in a grave. They're not coming back to life. There's no defibrillator to shock that heart back into submission, into beating back 2,000-something years ago. So that's not possible. What does our God say? What did that word say? Who got up? It was quite a few. Quite a few in the word that got up. And we didn't have any modern technology. Logic says it's not possible. The word says all things are possible to those who believe. Proverbs 14 verse 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death. Mm. So that means you're working up in your mind, you make your plan, you talk to your friends, and this way seems right. But in the end, because you did not consult the Lord, you did not trust in him, it leads to demise in some area of your life. Is it with prosperity? Is it with healing? 
What about you believing for that baby for the last seven years? What about you believing getting out of debt for the last 10? But what about the little instruction that he gave? You've been serving. You've been tithing. You serving faithfully. It's like Jesus. I'm up in this church all the time. I serve in inner healing and deliverance. I serve in children's church. I am a usher and I pray on the early morning prayer call. I give to the needy. I volunteer my time. I love on the widows around me. Why am I still in the same place? And the Lord says, oh, obedience is better than sacrifice. And I didn't tell you to do all of that. I asked you to get up for four weeks at three o'clock in the morning when I nudge you. And you say, that can't be the Lord. He know I got to get up at five. <laughs> Baby. Am I the only one? No. So he said, perhaps if you go back to that last act of disobedience, that last act of reasoning in your mind, why my instruction wasn't true, then maybe you would see the breakthrough that you want to see. So then, this the hammer. Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, why does the Lord say so much about thoughts? These are just four scriptures. And guess what? It might not bash you over the head and say, it's your mind, it's your mind, it's your mind. But it's saying, it's your mind. Whispering. You have to dive deep into the scripture. You have to truly seek him. Not look at it because you want to knock down what it is he told you. Sometimes that's what we do. We look into the word to kind of try to verify that we write. Mm. So what is reasoning and logic robbing you of? Can you guys even, I, I can think of quite a few things. Let me tell y'all something. When the Lord gave me this, your girl was crying. <laughs> Because I was reflecting on how much I had missed out on because of my mindset. Where we always want to cast a demon out, right? But my good sis here had a dream. She had a dream. She called me with this dream. And she's like, hey, y'all don't, okay, y'all online, y'all might not know her. Y'all in here, y'all know her. My sis Nicole. And she's like, hey. Hey, sweetie. Hey. I'm like, what you got for me? Like, even if she texts me, I'm like tiptoeing. She's like, I'm just, I'm just texting to see how you're doing. I'm like, yeah, you got a dream? You got a word? What you got for me? So she's like, hey, I just, I wanted to tell you about this dream. 
And I said, okay. So she's telling me about the dream. And in the dream, her and I, we were, we, we did deliverance together. We started way back, y'all. Was it 2013, 2014? Way, way back. And we really didn't know anything. <laughs> um, we, I mean, we're not experts now, but we know a little bit more than we knew then. And so in the dream, we were together and we were doing deliverance and we were trying to cast a demon out of someone. And it wasn't working. And so she's like, you know, in the dream, it wasn't working, but I believe it was about the mindset. And I'm like, okay, but here's the hammer. Even though I was serving with her in the dream, trying to cast the demon out of the girl, she felt like I was the girl. I'm like, wait, you think I got a demon? a demon uh no what what um pastor Otha say dumbbell jr <laughs> no that's not what i said i said we were trying to cast a demon out where a demon didn't exist the problem was your mind and so you're wanting to do deliverance for a thing that requires discipline it does not require the casting out of a demon it honestly doesn't require prayer it requires diving into the word, feeding on it day and night so that my mind could be renewed so then I could truly be changed into a new creature. It didn't require deliverance. So that's what I had been trying to do. Lord, what's wrong with me? Because you know when something is wrong with you. What's wrong with me? Is it a demon? Oh, sorry, y'all. Is it a demon? No. It's your mind, silly girl. And so, reasoning. Why was I telling y'all that? I told y'all that for a reason. It'll come back. It'll come back if it needs to, Holy Ghost. So what does reasoning rob you of? It robs you of understanding and faith. So let's go to Matthew 16, verses 5 through 12. Now, when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves. Remember, dialogizomai. That's that word there. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, it is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, another translation says, Jesus having discerned it. Another translation says, and Jesus having perceived what they were saying. So he didn't hear it. He knew in his inner man what they were doing. He said to them, oh, you of little faith, why do you reason the elogizomai among yourselves? Because you have brought no bread. Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up, nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, 
but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now let's put this into perspective. You have these disciples that have been rocking it out with Jesus. They have seen the miracles he has done. They were with him. They knew they had that little bit of fish. They knew they had that little scrap of bread. They saw it multiply. They saw how many baskets of food they had left. Not once, but two times. They saw the water turned into wine. They saw these things. Yet they, with their reasoning, talked themselves out of the truth that they already knew. So they went back to the natural way of thinking instantly. Now, they are with the Son of God all day, every day. Yet, it was the reasoning. That's why he said, he said it more than one time. Why do you reason among yourselves? So the reasoning talked them out of the understanding that they had previously, and it talked them out of believing the truth that they already knew. They knew Jesus was fully capable. Why are he going to be asking them about some bread? Why would he care about bread? He like, I can make something out of nothing. But they reasoned it away, and it robbed them of a moment where it could be, be counted to them that they were in faith. And guess what? They didn't just reason it up themselves. There was a hidden enemy with an agenda. He wanted to steal, kill, and destroy any forward movement that they would have. Reasoning. What else does it steal from you? It steals your ability to trust God completely. So let's look at Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So what this is saying here is don't be impressed with what you think you know. And to be honest, it's sin because he said, instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That implies that it's evil. That implies that it's actually sin. So it's sin to rely on your own thought patterns. It's sin to rely on your own understanding and knowledge. So y'all want to know how this affected somebody we read about all the time? Abraham. So Abraham trusted God at first. What did Abraham tell him? What did God tell Abraham? You're going to be a father over many nations. Your offspring will be as numerous as the, the sand on the sh- shore, shores sand, sand shores, whatever, however he said it, right? You're going to have a bunch of kinfolk. <laughs> And Abraham believed it. But guess who didn't? Sarah. Remember when we talked about the mind? When you have the interacting of two minds that are confused. At first, Abraham wasn't confused. He trusted and believed what God said. But Sarah said, well, wait a minute. I'm old. 
The Bible says Abraham was so old, he was as good as dead. So, okay, I'm 90. I'm 90-something. I'm 80-something. Okay, I'm 80-something. You up there. How we going to have this baby God promised us? I know. A surrogate. That's what it was. Old school surrogate. In come Hagar. A surrogate. That's what we'll do. God must have meant. Oh, so we ain't going to trust what God said no more. We're going to infer what he said. He was clear as day. I'm going to give you a son. That's what he said. He ain't said nothing about Hagar. He ain't said nothing about a surrogate. And guess what happened? Abraham listened to Sarah. And guess what he got? Ishmael. <laughs> now, let me ask you something. How many Ishmaels have you birthed? How many Ishmaels have come in your life because of what you have reasoned in your mind? Ishmael. Reasoning and logic takes your ability to trust God. But when you trust God, guess what you get? So God took him back because guess what? It was after he had that baby with Hagar that they started trusting in God again. Okay? They started trusting in God. And then Sarah going to have a nerve to say that God going to judge between those two and he'll say who's right. And it's like, you don't want to tell me do this craziness in the first place. But it wasn't hard. Because look, they were both all old. Hagar was a young tender. She's a tender roomie. So he's like, okay. All right, maybe Sarah's right. <laughs> we gone in, you know. So we get at Ishmael. And do you want to know why the judgment was against Abraham is because the instruction was given to Abraham. The instruction was not given to Sarah. So you have to hold firm to your faith. You have to hold firm to what the Lord has told you because he ain't told nobody else. What does our pastor say that our grandfather, our spiritual grandfather says, were you in my eyes when God gave me the vision? Were you in my ears when the Lord spoke to me? He didn't speak to Sarah. He spoke to Abraham. And so the responsibility was on Abraham to hold fast. That's why you got to be careful. Stop running your mouth. Stop telling people what God told you. Stop telling people what God promised you. Because reasoning and logic... We'll talk you right on out of it. And it'll come through other people. Sometimes it comes through well-meaning friends, well-meaning family members. They mean well, but God did not give them the command that he gave you. Follow me. Y'all got it? So what do you get when you get back to faith? You get Isaac, the child of the promise. You get a generation of believers. You get the lions of the tribe of Judah. You get the 12 sons that all of these things were built on. 
But when you don't follow God, when you follow reasoning and logic, you get rebellion. Because we know that Ishmael has rebelled against everything that comes with God. And we're still fighting battles. We're, our, our enemy, our biggest enemy, comes from that offspring. One act of disobedience, one moment of weakness, one moment, and we have dealt with it for ages. Are you going to choose Ishmael? Or are you going to choose Isaac? Are you going to choose to fear the Lord and turn away from evil? Or are you going to choose your mind? What else does reasoning steal? It steals your peace. The word says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and of heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So the indicator is that one, you cannot get this from any other source. You can only get it from God. And it also indicates if you try to get it from any other source, you're going to be troubled and afraid. So guess what? The day that we are living in, it's a lot to be scared of. You got gas prices that truly want to make you sell an arm and a leg so you can drive your car. You got food prices where there are people stealing and robbing and killing simply to eat. You have all these different things going on where your bank account may not add up to how much everything costs anymore. So it causes you to be anxious and troubled. But the word says all things are possible to those who believe. The word says that you've never seen the righteous forsaken, begging bread. You don't have to beg for nothing. What does Matthew 25 say? It says that don't be worried about you, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these lesser important things will be added unto you. So God is saying, food don't really matter. I got you. Clothes don't really matter. I got you. Living quarters, the situation, it doesn't matter. I got you. If, if you have to seek first the kingdom of God for all these things to be added onto you. Mm -mm -mm. How many times have you not trusted him? Who got into the payday loan scam? Y'all know, that's real out here in these streets. The bills are not lining up with how much money you have. She said, I'm going to get me some money. I say, I'm about to make it happen, Captain, okay? I'm going to get this money. God said, if you just trusted me, I would have came through. I would have came through maybe at the 11th hour. You might have been scared of getting evicted but you wouldn't have been in this endless cycle of debt. 
you would have had peace. Philippians 4 verse 7 says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Mm. There it is again. Hearts, minds, mind. Again. And it's obvious it has something to do with the heart position. The word says that where your heart, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. So what you value, that's the indicator of how you're going to live. So when you value money, all the faith and the hope is in that money. When you value the precious word that God has given us, the priority is with that. So it says, then you will experience God's peace. And it exceeds anything we can understand. So it means that you might not understand it. You might not get how he's going to do it. How are you going to do this? When he going to do it? I needed it yesterday. Hmm. God's prosperity is not contingent upon your timeline. You do not dictate how the father is going to do it and when he's going to do it. Your responsibility is to trust him and to believe. What else does reasoning rob us of? It robs us of experiencing the miraculous. You will never experience God's miraculous supernatural power as long as you rely on your mind, your carnal, unrenewed mind. Never. So can I tell y'all a story? Okay. All right. Tell y'all a story. So... Many of you know that I have two beautiful children, a boy and a girl. Now let's go back to 2005. 2005, I was a baby Christian, brand new to the faith. I was filled with the Holy Ghost, um, a wonderful couple. I still remember them. I had gotten saved. And back then, the church that I got saved at, they would send ministers to your house to minister to you so you could receive the Holy Holy Spirit and the gift of praying in tongues. So this wonderful couple came. Their name were uh, Jennifer and Lamont Isom. I'm still grateful. They were so sweet and kind and patient. So that day they came to my house, I received the Holy Ghost. And I had never experienced anything like it in my life. I literally saw fire. Fire. My eyes were closed, but I could see it. I thought it was going to burn up. Came on me strong and heavy. So that's when I began kind of having experiences with God. But I didn't understand and I didn't know what they were. I was unchurched, completely unchurched, had no reference point of what is normal and what is not. So God did things that would be considered abnormal with me. So one day, after me and my husband had gotten saved, that's a story for another day. (laughs) But after me and my husband had gotten saved, I'm in the bed, right? I'm in the bed. And you know how you're awake, 
but you don't want to be awake. You still want to be asleep, so you try to force yourself back into sleep, but it's just not happening. That's where I was. So I hear you will have a son. Y'all, I looked over. My husband was snoring. I'm like, what was that? And so I'm like, babe, babe, did you hear that? And he said, no, I didn't hear anything. I'm like, man, I heard something. I didn't even know enough to recognize the voice of God. I heard something say, you will have a son. And he's like, that was God. And I'm like, okay. So I get geeked. I'm like, all right, what the hell is baby? And uh, I didn't have a baby. I thought that meant, okay, sis, tomorrow you're going to take a pregnancy test. It's going to say you're pregnant, and nine months later, baby is coming. Mind you, this is 2005, okay? Didn't happen. 2006, didn't happen. 2007, didn't happen. So now it's like, okay, what's wrong with me? I got married young, very, very young. I was 20 years old when I got married. So for all intents and purposes, I should have been fertile myrtle, okay? I was young, vibrant, healthy. My husband was young, vibrant, healthy. You know, we were doing what healthy young people do all the time. (laughs) Sorry, babe. (laughs) So why am I not pregnant? Okay, so what do you do? You go to your doctor. I need to get checked out. Now, because I was so young, he wasn't taking me seriously at first. Okay, you know, it's just timing, da-da-da-da-da. Okay, well, this started at 20. I'm 23. I still haven't had a baby. I haven't even had a scare. What's up? All right. 24 roll around, he started taking me a little bit more seriously. And so he said, okay, we're going to start running some tests. We're going to test your hormones. We're going to te- do what is called a HSG. A HSG is where they take dye and they shoot it through your fallopian tubes to see if the dye spills out to see if the tubes are open. I know y'all didn't come for an, an anatomy and biology lesson, but that's how it works. In order to get pregnant, the, um, your egg has to be fertilized, and the sperm have to be able to get through up through, through those tubes. So if there's a blockage, that could be preventing pregnancy from happening, okay? So he said, we're going to do the HSG. We're going to see what's going on. Had the HSG, all clear, Okay. I'm like, okay, well, I should be good. So they said, well, with doing that, it usually flushes out any debris that was there, so you should be very fertile, and you should go ahead, be able to go ahead and get pregnant. And I'm like, whoop, whoop, let's take this opportunity, babe. So I'm doing all this stuff, figuring out when I ovulate, doing everything I'm supposed to do, and I don't get pregnant again. Let's remember what God said. What he say, y'all? You will have a son. (laughs) So I said, okay. Maybe I have to go through these alternative means to have a son. 
because what the doctor told me is we're going to do something else. We're going to do a surgery and we're going to explore your reproductive organs to see if there's anything that we can't see through an ultrasound and through the HSG that could be preventing you from conceiving. I said, okay, sign me up, shorty. Sign me up. So I go under the knife. Hey, can you please hand me a piece of tissue? I go under the knife, and he found a boatload of issues. I had endometriosis. Thank you. I had endometriosis. Sorry, y'all. I had what they call adhesions, which means that it was scar tissue. The scar tissue was causing my fallopian tubes to be fused together with my ovaries, and then that was fused to my um, pelvic wall. The organs in a woman's body are supposed to be free-flowing. They cannot be stuck together, then they don't function properly. So he did what he could do. He lasered off the endometriosis. He lasered off some of the fibroids that I have. Any women in here that have been through any of this, you know what it does to your menstrual cycle, to your body. Um, So he lasered those things off, and he cleaned up the adhesion. So when I came out of there, everything was, it wasn't 100%, but it was better, okay? So what he told me was, all right, you have about three months, This was April of 2008. You have about three months. So after this, you'll be as fertile as you're going to be. You have to get pregnant within this time because these things are going to start growing back. It's not a one-time cure-all. That was a temporary solution. So he said, this is not a cure-all. You got three months. Get it in. Get this baby in you because if you don't, you will not get pregnant naturally. This is what he told me. You won't be able to get pregnant and you're going to have to explore other options in order for you to have a baby. So we got to getting, okay? We tried April, May, June. Do y'all know how devastated I was when June rolled around? And it was another period and I'm seeing people, I'm still young, y'all. I'm only 23, 24 years old. And at that time, nobody that I knew was living a saved life. And it seemed like they were getting pregnant so easy. And guess what they were doing? They weren't ready. So they were aborting the babies, which was heartbreaking to me. And it angered me. And it made me resent the way that I was doing things because I said, well, why is it so easy for them? Why is it that I'm doing things the right way? I'm married. Y'all out here twerking something with anybody. I got a whole husband and been married. You know. (laughs) I've been married for years and I'm not getting pregnant. So I said, well, Lord, It's on you. I finally relinquished the why. And then a precious woman, we were in something called uh, cell groups back then. She came up to me one day. Sorry, guys, allergies. 
um, she came up to me one day and she said, why are you so upset about this baby? She's like, I seen the baby. I'm like, you did? She said, I seen God's hand. And in his hand was this little baby. And I knew it was your baby. And I'm like, whatever, I don't wanna hear it. Because you saying you seen a baby, I ain't seen nothing. I see this period coming every month, along with its cramps and everything that come with it. Get out of my face. Who been there? Who been there where they don't want to hear another prophetic word? You see Lisa coming, you like. <laughs> you get into a conversation with Divine, you like. I don't want to hear no prophetic words. I want to see action. What's preventing the action? For me, it was disobedience. Because I was relying on my own mind. But there was another key. So I get this prophetic word. Oh, it's so awesome. It's so wonderful. God has his, my little baby in his hand that I didn't want to hear. And my husband gets an instruction out of left field. Now, mind you, we are living right in our own eyes. Because the word says there's a way that seems right to every man in his own mind, but that leads to destruction, right? So we didn't know that it was a bad thing to do. He didn't know that it was bad, but he smoked black and miles. Smoked black and miles. And I mean, I've never liked smoke, y'all. So I was like, ugh, hope he stops. But it wasn't a big deal. But one day, the Lord told him, stop smoking. Guess what he did? Nope, he stopped. Threw that bad boy out the window and never did it again. Right? Guess what? The next month I was pregnant. Oh, shake it, ducky! God came through. He came through because of the obedience to the weird instruction. Now, let me ask y'all something. What does him smoking black and miles have to do with me getting pregnant? You got people that will tear some stuff up. And they popping babies out like rabbits. <laughs> What's that have to do with me getting pregnant? You have people that drink every day, smoke every day, and they doing stuff way worse than black and miles. You got weed, you got cocaine, you got heroin, you got methamphetamines. You will see them walking around pregnant and strung out. What did him smoking have to do with my miracle baby? It had everything to do with my miracle baby. What would have happened if he ignored the instruction? Would it have been God? Would it have been him not being faithful? Would it have been a lack of faith on my part? Because that's what they say. Stuff not working. You're not believing. Oh, I believed. I told you I came to a point where I relinquished all of that why and how I was tired. And I said, Lord, I'm giving it to you. You said I would have a son. 
And since you said you're not a liar, I expect you to do what you said you would do. It's not disrespectful. He said, prove me. So I said, okay. Do what you said you're going to do. You are putting me to shame because I believe you. I trust you and you're failing me. He said, no, I didn't fail you. Your husband is doing something that is affecting something in the spiritual realm that the enemy is using against you. He's using your ignorance to keep your blessing from coming. My timing is perfect. So I told you way ahead of time what was coming so that when it came, you can attribute it to nothing but me. And guess what? I had a son and he brought me so much joy because he was a manifestation of a years long promise. But guess what? My logic was robbing me of experiencing that miracle. And trust and believe the enemy tried to steal him from me. The battle was not over when I got pregnant. I had one of the most complicated pregnancies you could have. Bed rest at 19 weeks, preterm labor, early birth. I had the baby at 35 weeks. But guess what? He was healthy, six pounds, 13 ounces at 35 weeks. He would have been a whopper. <laughs> Who was pushing that out? Y'all see how little I am. Who pushing out a 10-pounder? God's timing is perfect. You know when that song say, he is perfect in all his ways. He's perfect. His timing is perfect. He knew when that baby was going to come, how he was going to come, and it wasn't for me to know. Because guess what? Had I known everything that was going to happen, it would have robbed me of my peace. So sometimes God is not withholding from you. He's withholding for you. The word says that the secret things of God, they are for him. And he chooses what to give you. Because guess what? When he gives it to you, it's in Deuteronomy. When he gives it to you, then you are responsible for it. So once he gives it to you, remember it says in the word how they were beaten with many stripes because they knew better. But when you don't know, he doesn't have this expectation of you. So if I knew better, I would have been uh, responsible to do better. And so it was his grace and mercy not telling me certain things. You see why logic will mess you up? Why you have to know the why, 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 the how, how, how? Well, if I knew the why and the how and the what, I'd have been like, oh, no, I ain't doing that. Because it was painful being on bed rest. I couldn't move. I could only go to the bathroom and get back in that bed. You don't know the havoc that wreaks on your body. When I had the baby, my feet swole so big because I wasn't used to being on them. My muscles had atrophy, and then I had a baby that I had to take care of. But guess what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So he's not going to give you something that you can't handle, even if it's hard birthing it. And guess what? I birthed. I birthed a manifestation of the promise.
I didn't birth an Ishmael. I birthed an Isaac. So how are you going to start birthing your Isaacs? By trusting God. We're not going to allow the enemy to rob us of the miraculous. He didn't steal my miraculous. And guess what? I had another miraculous less than two years later. So all of that time I had all of those problems with conceiving. (sighs) Little Miss Charity (laughs) came less than two years later. The miraculous. That's for a woman where they told me, if you don't get pregnant in this time, you won't conceive naturally. It wasn't a question. It was definitive. But whose report did I believe? I believe the report of the word. I put the word in me. The word says that I am a fruitful vine. The word says that anything I ask according to God's will is given to me. So all it took was one word, one truth out of the Bible that I stood on. It can't be true. I can't be infertile. Because you said all that belong to you, none will be barren in the land. I can't be barren. And guess what? I received my miracle. But if we applied logic, there would not be one miracle, one one battle, one supernatural act of provision in the entire Bible. Wouldn't happen. We're going to go through a few. Let's start with Genesis. There would be no Isaac. Science says that a woman at 90 years old has gone through menopause. That means that she is no longer producing the eggs required to be fertilized, to conceive. Abraham was old and as good as dead. Not my words, the Bible's words, okay? No shade, Abraham. So what's that mean? He's shooting dust. I know it's true. He's old, she old, no sperm, no egg. What can be fertilized? I mean, for real. There's nothing. So there's no Isaac because science and modern technology says it's impossible to conceive when you don't have the tools. When you don't have what's necessary to bring this thing into the earth. You don't have it. You're too old. How does she even have the strength to push your baby out? No Isaac. Exodus. There's no parting of the Red Sea. So guess what? Them children of Israel, they still in Egypt. Because they weren't getting away from Pharaoh. Pharaoh had the military on his side and he had nature on his side. There was a sea preventing them from crossing over. What did God say? I will deliver you. And he did. He parted the Red Sea and they walked over on dry ground. And so the Egyptians seen and said, oh, we in there. We about to get them. Guess what? God said, not doing it. Got something for y'all. And they were delivered. Logic and reason wants us to figure out how did this happen? How is it possible? It's not happening if you use logic. 
Exodus again, a stick turning into a snake. Where they do that at? How? How does something turn into something else? They cannot accomplish that in modern technology. We ain't seen nothing turning from a stick to a snake. Can't happen. Numbers 22, a donkey talking. Where has your answer come from? What source that seems impossible has had your answer that you've reasoned yourself out of? Because it's impossible for that thing to speak. Numbers 22 says a donkey did it. Hmm. Doesn't happen with logic. Joshua 6.20, the walls of Jericho do not fall because reasoning and logic says, how does sound? Now, you have to think about how these walls were constructed. This is not plaster. This is not drywall and mud and tape and some wood. This is hewn stone, mortar. How did sound cause this? It was God behind the sound. And it was activated because of their act of obedience. Because I'm sure it seemed foolish to them too. Okay, we're going to walk around this wall. And then at the seventh time, we're going to shout. Um, okay. And they did it. And it came down. It doesn't happen with reason and logic. First Samuel 17. David does not slay Goliath. So Goliath, the champion of the Philistines, he triumphs over Israel. Because how does a little young boy with a rock slay this huge giant? How does this happen? It's not possible with logic. 1 Kings 17 The widow does not have an endless supply of bread or oil during a famine. She starves, and so her baby does too. And Elijah, they all starve. Because when Elijah came, she said, I'm about to prepare my last meal. This is it. And he's like, no, do this. Guess what she did? She obeyed. She didn't know the why. She didn't know the how. It didn't make sense, but that food never ran ran out. Supernatural provision. What has the Lord provided for you that you haven't received because it don't make sense? Did it make sense, the story that Otha tells about the woman setting the table? She set the table for her and her hungry kids. They had nothing left. Nothing But she said, God will provide. Mommy, what we going to eat for the moms and the dads in here? That's heartbreaking, especially when you don't have an answer. But she said, you know what this word says? That the righteous will never be forsaken, forsaken, and that they'll never be begging bread. And guess what? Finish setting the table. Ding dong. Food. How much sense does that make? It's not logical. 2 Kings 4, verses 1 through 7. You don't have to put it up. This is where you can find it. 
So take notes because the onus is on you to find out the truth of the word. It's given to you, but now you dive deep. Don't believe just what somebody tell you. You get the truth for yourself because then revelation explodes on the inside of you. And it's not just what somebody told you. It changes you and causes you to believe. The widow does not receive supernatural debt relief when Elisha came. She was crying. They about to take my baby and make him a slave because I don't have no money. My husband left me in a bad way. We have all of this debt. Well, I don't know how much sense it makes to you all. It makes no sense to me how you can get a bunch of jars and all of these things and you pour an olive oil out of this little, it was a little bit of oil and it never stops flowing. Never stops flowing. So guess what happened? The woman got out of debt and she was able to live on that money. So not only did the Lord provide supernatural debt relief, he provided prosperity through her act of obedience. It was an act of her faith and her will. Her obedience, the word that was given, that's what brought the blessing. The word says obedience brings the blessing. She obeyed and the oil flowed. Where is your prosperity? Why is that well running dry? What have you reasoned in your mind that it can't work? What business have you started that you have not worked? You. The Lord desires blind obedience. And that will bring a blessing. Nobody in the Bible is resurrected from the dead if we operate in logic. The widow's son in 1 Kings 17, he's still dead. The woman's son in 2 Kings 4 verse 32, he's still dead. Jairus' daughter in Matthew 9, 18 and verses 23 to 25, dead as a doorknob because people don't come back to life. Lazarus, he was in that tomb for three days, stinking and rotting, dead. Jesus, our precious Lord and Savior, he does not triumph. He does not snatch the keys of death and hell in the grave and come back and resurrect it after three days with logic. Even after that, Tabitha, because people like to say that stuff stopped. It didn't stop. After Jesus died, came back and ascended again, his disciples was doing the same thing. And Tabitha, she came back. Guess what? That does not happen with logic. Science tells us that once a body dies and is dead for so long, it cannot come back without great problems, even if it does come back, because the lack of oxygen to your brain causes irreversible brain damage, and the person is a vegetable. There's no resurrection from the dead. It can't happen. Y'all want to hear another little story of something that I found to happen in my life? It's about a little fish named Nemo. My daughter won a fish at a carnival last year. She has taken care of this sweet little fish named Nemo. Well, about two weeks ago, after our first house church meeting, our daughter comes in a room about one o'clock in the morning and she says, Mommy, I think Nemo is dead. 
Now, mommy like, okay, what am I going to do? This girl heartbroken. So we go and we inspect. My husband go and Nemo, y'all ever had goldfish? Nemo is like on his side and kind of folded. And the life, you could see the life ebbing out of Nemo. Nemo was gone. So I go in my room with my daughter and I'm comforting her. It's okay, boo. And then she uttered these words. Now my husband is in the bathroom with Nemo. And he said, okay, let's put him in some different water, you know. And I'm in the room with Charity. And she said, mommy, I don't want Nemo to die. And I said, you know what? I'll be back, stay here. My husband is in there with Nemo, unbeknownst to me, guess what the Lord said to him? So you just gonna stand there and look at him? (laughs) And so he started praying. And I came in and I stood over that fish tank and I caught life into that fish. Nemo, you will live and not die. I call the life of God on the inside of you and the breath of life to come back into you and you will live. You will live. Come back, Nemo. Live, Nemo. Breathe, Nemo. My husband's speaking. Come back, Nemo. Breathe, Nemo. And guess what happened? Nemo, little by little, started to move. So then we're encouraged we started speaking more and Nemo was no longer on his side. Then we spoke a little more and Nemo started swimming. Guess what? Nemo is still swimming. Nemo is not dead. Nemo is alive. It can happen with a fish. It can happen with a baby. It can happen with an individual. It can happen with circumstances. What's dead in your life that you have not spoken to? What has reason and logic talked you out of? Because it's not logical to start speaking to a dead fish. We can throw the fish away. We can get another fish. But my baby, she didn't want Nemo to die. And God does the same thing for us. Lord, I don't want it to die. What dream have you let die? What business have you let die? What hope or profession of your faith have you given up on? What have you not spoken to? You can resurrect the dead. You can call life into those old bones. But what has logic told you not possible I wish I had a picture of Nemo I wish I had taken a picture when he was dead and a picture in a video when he came back to life but Nemo was swimming and will continue to until I say I'm tired of it (laughs) no I'm not joking because you have a whole lot more power than what you think you have earth it bends to you 
God gave you dominion, authority, and power to trample on everything. If God has the power to create and create and bring life into the earth through his words, what power do you have? You have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. So, yes, it's not arrogant. It's truth. It stops when you say it stops and it begins when you say it begins. If it's according to the word of God and his will and purpose and plan for your life. And every word found in that Bible is yes and amen to us. So it's not arrogance. He will keep going. He will keep going until God said it's over and I say it's over. Period. Next miracle that doesn't happen. Naaman is not healed of leprosy. How much sense does it make for a man to go dive into a dirty river that he didn't even want to get in? He didn't want to get in the Jordan River. Now look, the onus is on you to find these stories. I'm giving you a brief synopsis. What they call it? Cliff's Notes. Old school. Y'all kids don't know about that. Cliff's Notes. This is a synopsis. The onus is on you to dive into the word so you receive the truth for yourself. But Naaman was an, an official. He came from another land, and he was stricken with leprosy. A servant girl told him, hey, you can get healed if you go over here. And so he said, all right. So he goes to see the prophet. And he's expecting the prophet to do all of this heebie-jeebie and, ah, you're healed. The prophet said, nope, go dip in the Jordan River. I can't remember if it's three times or seven times. How many? Seven times. Dip into this old nasty river. And once you do it, because he's like, well, can't I go to the other one? Bruh, stop trying (laughs) to bargain with God. Do what he said to do. How many times do you bargain with God? Well, can I just do it this way? No, I said get in a dirty river. Okay, so he gets in a dirty river, dipped seven times, and guess what? Came out clear as a baby's bottom. Obedience. Belief. Logic and reasoning defying. Jesus is not conceived nor born if we go according to logic. Jesus was born from a virgin. We all know how this thing works. There's no virginity resulting in a baby. Okay? And there's certainly no baby being born when nothing has gone down to cause it to happen. It doesn't happen. So we don't have a savior. We don't have Jesus. We have no option for salvation if we go according to science, logic, and our carnal mind. Water is not turned into wine, so Jesus does not, his ministry does not kick off based on logic because water does not turn into wine. Wine is from fermented grapes. How does one thing become the other? It doesn't. Peter and Jesus still owe that money. Because how do you get your tax relief out the mouth of a fish? How does the fish have enough money to pay taxes for two people? Doesn't happen. The man that's born blind stays that way. He does not get healing. Because mud pies and spit, spit and mud doesn't equate to 
healing and deliverance from somebody that was born that way. How does that work? It doesn't. Everyone cannot be filled with the Holy Ghost because it doesn't make sense that the spirit of God that lives in me can live in you, 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 all at the same time, all across the whole earth. How does that work? It doesn't. Peter, he's still in jail. He never gets freed up out of jail. And he actually ended up dying because that's what they were planning to do. They were planning to murder uh, Peter. He doesn't get freed by the angel because logic and reasoning tells us they would have saw him. He said he walked right past them. How does that happen? It doesn't. If you go according to reason and logic, it robs you of the miraculous in your life. We see provision. We see healing. We see births that logic and reasoning will talk you out of. That's 21 miracles. 21. And that is just a small portion. How many battles did the Lord fight for the Israelites that made no sense? The earth doesn't stop turning like Joshua said. That makes no sense, but it happened. What has the Lord provided for you that you haven't tapped into? So are you going to choose obedience? Are you going to choose logic and reasoning? Or are you going to choose God's way? Blind obedience. Are you going to let go and relinquish the why? Are you going to step into the true realm of prosperity? Because the word says that the Lord desires for us to prosper. So how do we stop using logic? How do I stop using reasoning? You must decondition the logic and reasoning out of your mind. Remember, the kingdom of God is not logical. I want that to be hammered into your spirit man today. The kingdom of God is not logical. The word says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. What does that mean? When he talks about the soul, it means your mind. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prospers. So there's a correlation between your soul prospering and the health and wellness in all areas of your life, including prosperity. But let me let me just give you something really quick, because prosperity is not all about money. Because money is not everything. Money cannot buy you favor. Money cannot buy you health. Money cannot buy you anointing. Money cannot buy you authority. Money cannot buy you anything that truly matters in the kingdom of God. So what does the word say matters? Your love, the condition of your heart is what matters. The faith and obedience that you walk in. That's what God is measuring. He don't care how much money you have because all of the money comes from him. So stop focusing so much on prosperity financially. 
He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these lesser important things will be added to you. So money and prosperity, that's going to be added to you if you seek ye first the kingdom of God. How do you do this? Joshua 1 verse 8 says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Mind, we have it again. Because he's saying, study the book of instruction continually. Meditate. How do we meditate? What do you use to meditate? What do you use? Your mind. You use your mind to meditate. So that, that means that you fill yourself with the word, so you read it. You speak it, and then you think about it. You turn it over in your mind. You meditate it day and night. So that means it's not enough to do your scripture in the morning, to read your Bible devotional, and then say, okay, Jesus, we good. It's not how it works. He said meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. That indicates that obedience is tied to this. If you don't obey this instruction, then the other things will not follow. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let's run that back. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. What are the behaviors and customs of this world? They are to rely on your mind. It's to rely on the natural man. It's to rely on your education. It's to rely on your data that you have gathered. It's to rely on your past experiences because those are what dictate your future. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So this is an indicator that the only way that the way you the only way that you change into a new person is by changing the way you think. The only way you change the way you think is by meditating on the word day and night. You see how this fits like a puzzle? You can't do one without the other. It's no quick fix. It's not an easy way out. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Your mind. The thief is using your mind. The deception is that it's you thinking it up. He's using a deceptive tactic to keep you in bondage and in prison to the way that he wants you to think. And it's because you won't do what the words say to do. Meditate the word day and night, and then you'll be transformed into a new creature. The way you think has to change. Finally, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 through 5. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. 
So we're not using logic or reasoning to get to the end result of our faith. We're not doing that. We're using the weapons that God gave us. We're using that sword of the spirit. We're using the word that cuts between joint and marrow. So then as you do that, you have no choice but to change. Your words have no choice but to change. Because the word says, out of the abundance of the, of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as this truth sinks down into your heart, you start speaking differently. The word also says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so unbeknownst to you, if you are not filling and fueling yourself with the word, then you are speaking death. And you're reaping a harvest of what you're sowing with your words because your heart is not filled with the word and out of the abundance of it, you're speaking. And so today, I ask you, what fruit will you cultivate? Because this requires patience. Abraham and Sarah, what did they have to do? They had to wait. And sometimes we want to see things so quickly that we're not willing to wait. He wasn't willing, and Sarah wasn't willing to wait that first time. So he got Ishmael. Y'all can see how much I love Ishmael, right? They got Ishmael. But had they waited, there would be no Ishmael. We would only have Isaac. We would not have to fight the battles that we have to fight. What battles are you fighting? Today, what is it? Will you choose to discipline yourself? This requires discipline. You have to force the carnal man into submission. You have to force it. It's not going to go easy. He's not gonna, it's not going to do it just because you want it to. You have to force it to submit. But as you force it to submit, you are going to change. You'll be cultivating this fruit of patience. You'll be cultivating self-control. Because you won't allow your mind to go here, go there, go everywhere like you do now. That's the problem that I had. Baby, I could think of some stuff, okay? It'll be a whole scenario that I have come up with and convince myself that it's true because my mind is going da, 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 da. guess what I had to start forcing it to submit you think what I tell you to think enemy I will not accept your lies I refuse to think and dwell on what you're trying to put into my mind I refuse to accept the lie that I'm done having kids I refuse to accept the lie that I'm a geriatric mama. God didn't say so. He renews my strength like eagles. I'm young as long as I say I'm young, and I feel young. I'm going to stay young until I leave up out of here. But am I going to believe what they say? Or am I going to believe what he say? Am I going to allow my mind to dwell on what they say? Or am I going to allow my mind to dwell on the word? It's the word, it's the word, it's the word. And then you will prosper in all things as your soul prospers. So today, I encourage you 
to expose the hidden thief. Divorce him today. Don't allow him to steal your destiny, your prosperity, your peace, the miraculous. It's a choice that you have to make. But when you make that choice, guess who's coming? God is coming. He's like, finally, now the sons of God will rule and reign in the earth like I purposed them to. Because now they truly have the mind of Christ. It's the mind of Christ. But guess what? You can't have that if you don't come to him. You can't have it if you don't live in him. You can't have it if it doesn't become true to you that in him I live and move and have my being. You can only do that through salvation, through Christ Jesus. That's the rock that all of this is built on. That's the foundation that catapults you and gets you to that expected end. Amen? Amen. So let's stand.